Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone, welcome along to the very first Pro Wrestling Index uh, podcast of 2017, so Happy New Year from us. Uh, it's Andy Wales here with you, joined as ever by, by my audio tag team partner, more Chatra, more. good evening and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Andy, how are you doing? I'm not so bad, I'm not so bad, I will be honest and say I am quite looking forward to the rumble though perhaps not quite as much as i should be i don't know maybe we'll um maybe, maybe my excitement will start to uh to reach fever pitch next week uh, but more of that later i suppose um one thing I, I do i would like to start with though is you know the last time we spoke on here we were talking not only about our best and worst of 2016 but we also talked about uh, briefly about world of sport wrestling returning to ITV television you know um terrestrial TV wrestling on terrestrial television in the UK and I know you were you were quite looking forward to it weren't you how how did you find that show um i i thought it was um on the whole very entertaining couple of hours um you know obviously very different to the kind of presentation of world of sport wrestling from the 80s and um and, that, and that's a good thing i thought um you know if they produced a show that was taped out of um kind of a sports center or um one of these old style kind of um halls um, you know a town hall or something and um, had a bunch of guys looking much like the old guys from the 70s and 80s. Um, people have just laughed at it. But um, it felt a bit more contemporary, um, a bit more modern in terms of storylines, um, presentation, camera work, entrances, um, characters as well. And um, I thought on the whole it was a, a well-put-together two-hour show. Good to see Jim Ross back. Um, I thought he did a very good job on commentary he was accompanied by um alex shane long-time british wrestler now a commentator and uh, i thought the two worked well together and we got to see um some of the top stars from around the uk as well including most notably grado who's um become actually um almost famous and transcended wrestling outside of scotland uh, within scotland and um he, he was the star of that show, um, lost the uh, first match um, to become the inaugural World of Sport champion 
um, in the contest against big Dave Mastiff from the Black Country. Um, but then um, by the end of the night, um, won a number one contenders battle royal and then um, took on uh, Dave Mastiff in a rematch, Dave Mastiff in a rematch and uh, won the title. So in the space of those two hours, we saw uh, two title changes uh, for the World of Sports uh, Championship. But um, no, I thought overall it was a well-presented show. Um, you know, some good action on the card itself. Um, got to see good variety as well. Everyone wasn't exactly the same as each other. And it had a decent rating as well. 1.25 million viewers tuned in, which isn't a fantastic rating, but it's not a disaster of a rating either. So because of that, um, there is talk that um, ITV are looking to commission a, a series, might be 10 or 13 shows initially and um you know if that you know hits it off with the audiences then um you know it could lead to you know perhaps even becoming a weekly show again but um certainly very good to see british wrestling back on national television and um you know most of the feedback was good and um certainly on twitter if it's any indication world of sport wrestling was trending well into the next day so um Positive signs and, um, you know, well-deserved for the British scene because um, it was really, really in the doldrums about 20 years ago. And you know, there's a lot of people around the UK that work very, very hard to, to help, you know, re- rejuvenate the wrestling scene in this country. And um, you know, it was good to see that uh, their efforts were rewarded in a way with um, exposure on ITV. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to see David Hart Smith make an appearance as well. Kind of a nice one there, and 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 yeah, it is like you say. You know, it, it's good to see British wrestling being showcased on on British television like this. You know, it is in a very healthy state in recent years. Just look at the number of British talents that have gone across the water. They're making the names in WWE and TNA. You know, and become mainstream stars over in the states. So yeah. Wrestling in Britain is healthy, you know, in the independent shows as well. I'm, I mean, more you, you'll know this better than me. You know that the independent scene in the UK has been growing over the over the past decade, hasn't it? Oh, it has absolutely. Um, you know, to the extent that a lot of former WWE talents uh, regularly tour around the UK, and um, you know, the reason why they come over here is because they get a lot of work. They get a lot of well-paid work and um, a lot of these independent shows around the UK are drawing very healthy crowds. And, um, you know, that's because there's a lot of interest in domestic wrestling. So whilst um, generally isn't um, available on television um, through the wonders of social media um, and the Internet, uh, people can still follow these various promotions that are dotted up and down the UK and um, an increasing number of them are you know, very, very um, good promotions in their own right and offer a very compelling alternative to the WWE likes of Progress Wrestling, um, offer a product that's very different to the WWE, but has created a very big cult following. And, um, you know, they ran the Brixton Academy um, last year and drew um, a crowd of about two and a half thousand. Um, and that was, uh, you know, a very big show for them. Um, we had um, Insane Championship Wrestling in Scotland that, drew, um, I think it was about 6,000 fans to the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, which for a promotion that's got no TV, to draw a massive crowd like that is just um, amazing. But it just shows the level of interest in um, 
alternatives to the WWE. So, I mean, if WWE, you know, doesn't quite rock your boat these days, um, you know, be adventurous and um, look out for um, the various alternatives that exist out there. And, um, you know, if you give some of these alternatives a chance, you might find yourself um, might falling in love with um, something that's not the WWE. So, um, you know, there's a whole voyage of discovery to be had uh, for anyone who wants to go out and discover all the many promotions that are out there offering um, some very, very good wrestling. Yeah, they're very, and the thing with the smaller um, promotions and the smaller shows, they are a lot more intimate, so you can get a lot closer to the action. The chances are he might even get to speak to a few of the guys involved. So it's it's quite an experience. I, I've been to a couple of shows over the years, not for a while, like, and yeah, it is, it's a very different experience, and it's it's good to take in. I really do believe that. Uh, I mean, mentioning the, you know, we're talking here about the UK and how healthy the, the scene is here. And, you know, mentioning about things, it, this all being an alternative for, for WWE. But WWE, obviously, to their credit, recognised just just how healthy the scene is here. I mean, obviously, there, there are a lot of British people involved within WWE, not just in the ring, but obviously outside of it. Likes of Rugby Brookside training people over for NXT and uh, William Regal there at NXT and as a major scout for a WWE. Obviously, he's got a he's got one foot over here still. You know, he's got his eye on what's happening. So, with that in mind, WWE very mindful of the UK scene, and on the back of that, we've got this uh, tournament coming up in the UK. Mo, and do you want to give the listeners a bit of a preview and what they can look forward to? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing to say is the ultimate sign of how important the UK scene now is that the WWE is staging a tournament specifically for the UK to help crown um, the inaugural WWE United Kingdom champion. And the reason they're doing that is because that company feels, as the biggest wrestling promotion in the world, that the UK is a hotbed for wrestling. I mean, they're not doing that. They're not creating a title for Japan or Mexico or Germany or Australia or various other countries that have got um, a lot of independent wrestling. Um, but they are for the UK because the UK is um, seen as a very, very important um, um, region for the WWE, not only because it's very popular in the UK, but also because of the um, extent of talent that's coming through. And increasingly, you know, they've taken on um, a, a number of talents into their um, developmental system in NXT um, who are from the UK in recent times. And um, you know, if anything, that trend will only increase with more talent moving into the WWE. I mean, just last year, in the last few months, I think they've offered about four or five um, Brits um, developmental contracts. And um, so that, that's a sign of just how important they see the UK as being for the next generation of WWE superstars. So on to, on to this tournament then. I mean, it's taking place out of um, the Empress Ballroom, a very, very famous, prestigious venue in Blackpool in the Northwest. And um, this will be a two-night live tournament on the WWE Network. It's a 16-man tournament. And um, you know, it's got some very, very talented wrestlers. Um, I'm not going to go through necessarily all of them, but... Um, Certainly, some of the talents to look out for are um, 
Tyler Bate, who's only 19 years of age, but um, a short five foot four or so stocky little powerhouse. Um, a bit Cesaro-like in a way, in that um, he likes to pull off feats of strength in the ring to show just how strong he is. And, you know, he, he's got a great entrance as well, which you probably can't do on the WWE show this weekend, um, where he comes out to um, um, that classic song Sledgehammer and um, the crowd sing along to it and it's great. Um, he's 19 years of age, extremely talented. You've got Trent Seven who runs the Fight Club Pro promotion in Wolverhampton which is Gag's hometown and um, in fact I went to Fight Club, Fight Club Pro's uh, initial show of 2017 this past weekend in Wolverhampton and uh, Trent Seven uh, was wrestling in the main event and um, was superb. And, um, you know, he's a very talented guy, not not got the, not sporting the greatest of physiques. And I'm sure he'd admit that himself. But, um, no, don't don't let that deceive you. He's a very talented wrestler. And um, I think he'll go far in this tournament. There's also um, Joseph Connors, who wrestles for um, Southside Extreme Wrestling. And that's based out of Nottingham predominantly. And um, that, that's a very good promotion. And, uh, you know, Joseph Connors is a, is a good, strong heel in that company. And you've got Roy Johnson, um, who likes to dab, so uh, a bit Paul Bogba-like in terms of his influences. Um, he wrestles for Progress Wrestling. Um, Pete Dunne is the one who I tip as the favourite for this tournament. You know, he's he's somebody who's the um, Progress Wrestling champion. He's also the champion of Fight Club Pro and several other promotions. He's only, I think, 23 years of age, uh, been wrestling several years, though. Uh, very, very talented very, very uh, versatile worker, likes to specialise in what he calls British strong style, um, so quite Japanese influenced in um, the, way, the kind of way he likes to wrestle. But he's my favourite for the tournament. I think he can go very far. If you've seen the promotional pics of uh, the press conference, he's to the left of Triple H, um, got slicked back hair, clean shaven. Um, and I think, in fact, there's a preview for the championship tournaments on the WWE network at the moment. So um, if you've got a chance to check that out, that's well worth watching. And that's got a little feature on Pete Dunn, but um, no, he's, he's a, he's a Brummie. He's very young, 23, 24, um, but he's an exceptional talent. And um, he's the one to watch this weekend. You know, his first round matches against Roy Johnson. And, um, you know, he's the person I'm tipping to go all the way. And I think it'll be a very good tournament. I mean, they haven't got, the absolute cream of the British scenes talent. I mean, they've got 16 wrestlers, but you know, of the, of the 16, I'd say that four or five of them are people that I would class as amongst the best of the UK scene. But um, you know, they, they've got some good show, uh, talent, you know, or, or, you know, to show on on the tournament this weekend. So I strongly urge all listeners to try and check out at least the final night of the tournament, if not the opening night. Um, because it's going to be a lot of good wrestling and you're going to be exposed to some um, you know, very um, you know, unique and special talents who are coming through in the UK. So you know, once again, kudos to the WWE for um, putting on this tournament and um, you know, there, there's plenty to look forward to this weekend. So uh, do certainly check it out. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see just how they present it, you know, how it's packaged, how it comes across. Because certainly when watching the CWC, you know, if they approach it in that, you know, similar kind of format, I think it does have the potential to be a hit, not just here in the UK, because obviously we have that kind of emotional investment to it. You know, we're kind of tied to it. 
but perhaps around the world, you know, a, a chance to really showcase to the rest of the world, you know, some of the up and coming talents here in the UK, do you think? Well, that's right. You know, it, in terms of the presentation of it, I mean, they'll have Michael Cole and Nigel McGuinness on commentary. Many of you might not have heard of Nigel McGuinness, but um, he was an exceptional wrestler who is a former ROH Ring of Honor world champion. Um, he did briefly end up in the WWE um, but for a very short period of time and um, also competed in TNA as well um, about five or six years ago, um, but then had to retire. Um, I think because of hepatitis or something like that. So um, it was a shame that he had to retire because um, he was an exceptional wrestler. I mean, if you ask Daniel Bryan, he will tell you that some of the best matches of his entire career were, were with Nigel McGuinness in Ring of Honor. Um, so he'll be on commentary and um, certainly um, will add some good um, credibility to commentary uh, alongside Michael Cole. So in that respect, um, I do suspect that the presentation will be uh, fairly similar to um, the CWC, so that'll be something that'll be positive for the shows this weekend. And then, in terms of the talent themselves, um, you know, they're all um, you know, working hard this week to you know, turn up in the best appearance possible. And uh, as I say, um, I saw um, several of the guys from the tournament uh, Pete Dunn, uh, Dan Maloney, Mark Andrews, Trent Seven, all rest Tyler Bate wrestling um, on the Fight Club Pro show um, in Wolverhampton this past weekend. and no, they all look great, and um, clearly they're really excited about working the uh, tournament this weekend. And um, you know, I'm sure they'll want to go out there and you know, make the best impression they can in the hopes of uh, securing a contract of some description with the WWE. So um, you know, they're all going to go out there and give it their best. And uh, I think what we'll end up with is um, you know a very exciting tournament over the two nights. So. Um, you know, plenty, plenty to look forward to. And uh, once again, you know, another good sign about um, just how far the UK scene has come. Yeah, just on Michael Cole there. I mean, we're talking about this being an opportunity for the British wrestlers and and perhaps even Nigel McGuinness. But I wonder if this is even, you know, possibly as bizarre as this may sound to a guy who's been in the company for, you know, for what twenty years. For Michael Cole, this might just be an opportunity to showcase that he can actually do play-by-play because this is going to be a different uh, environment. It's going to be a different setting. He's not going to have someone screaming in his ear and having to promote the latest trend and this and advertise that and talk about this celebrity might be showing up next week and all the rest of it is just actually focusing what's going on in the ring. You know, bizarrely, this might be an opportunity for Michael Cole to um, perhaps get recognised by fans that, he can do play by play. Well, that's a great point. Absolutely. Um, you know, since Mara Ronaldo um, joined the WWE last year, um, there's been a lot of um, positive talk about him. And you know, Michael Cole is somebody who um, you know, really gets um, recognition. Um, and I think what didn't help is that kind of heel run where you know he was playing that kind of heel play by play announcer, which in many respect was a complete failure in the flop and it was a bad idea but you know this is as you say a great chance for him to show that um, when it comes to calling wrestling matches and not being distracted by other uh, things that um, you know he can you know deliver with the best of them and um, you know he's got a great partner in Nigel McGuinness um, so and on top of that it will just be a two-man commentary team 
um, which is a refreshing change. A bit of a novel concept there. You know, it'll be Cole and McGuinness um, calling the action over both nights. And uh, I think Michael Cole want to show that, um, you know, in a setting like this, you know, he can um, you know, certainly do the matches justice and, uh, you know, put them over in the way that they deserve. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs too. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on the uh, the commentary booths. I- I'm just waiting for uh, Vince McMahon to announce that at the Royal Rumble, because it's a 30-man over-the-top battle royal, we're going to have a 30-man commentary booth, and they can all take turns to talk for 30 seconds or something like that. <laughs> well, if not this year, maybe next. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Um, uh, and by the thing. Yeah, by the way, Vince, if you uh, if you do that, that was my idea, and I will lay claim to it. <laughs> yeah, you better oh, pass it. <clears throat> I, I must admit that is it, it's a detraction on on SmackDown, and it's it's a real shame for me that you know Tom Phillips, who who works really, he does really well on NXT, and he works brilliantly alongside Corey Graves on there. I know Corey Graves is fantastic, uh, probably the best to call a commentator on TV right now, but. You know, Phillips is good, yet he's completely and utterly wasted on SmackDown because he's just not needed there. You know, four men, four man booth is is just. I really, I really don't get my head around that because a three man booth is too much. You know, what we get is basically you've got a play by play, you've got your color commentator, and then you've got a guy there that is trying to intercept at times to make himself relevant and remind us that he is actually there. It just seems to serve no function. And there's, there doesn't seem to be an opportunity for any kind of chemistry there. And I don't, I don't know. It's for me, the commentary is a part of the product. It really is a part of a whole part of the package for me to watch and enjoy. And yeah. And it's just it's just one of those little things. I know it shouldn't detract you away from the action that's going on in the uh, in the ring, but it just kind of I don't know. It, it, I don't know about you, Mo, but it just kind of takes me away a little bit. Well, that's right, absolutely. I mean, commentary is there to sell the product and uh, make it appear to be better than it really is. So you know, a good, effective commentary team makes um, a decent match look good makes a good match look great. It makes a great match look like one for the ages, a classic. And um, if you think back to the simple commentary team, two-man commentary teams of JR and Jerry Lawler, you know, Heenan and Monsoon, things like that. And Heenan, sorry, Monsoon and Ventura. Um, one of the things that they were good at is, you know, adding their own different angle to the commentary. So they weren't there to say the same type of thing. And that's not what we get now. Um, we're hearing from Tom Phillips and hearing from JBL and uh, likes of them. And um, you know, they're all sometimes talking over each other. And you know, there's no real purpose that they specifically have, especially given that lines are blurred around heel and face divide. So the whole role of a heel um, colour commentator is certainly watered down from what it used to be when heels and faces were more clearly defined so um you know if nothing else i mean these commentary teams nowadays are arguably a distraction and um, you know, a drawback to the product and not there to be an asset and um in, in a way i blame bt sport they're the ones that came up with this 
four-person commentary team when they decided Michael Owen wasn't good enough and they wanted to add Glenn Hoddle next to him and then bring in a referee to um, sit alongside them, well, sit in a booth and commentate over any of the uh, dodgy decisions. So um, it's all their fault. <laughs> if only Vince had been watching BT's bar, I don't think so somehow. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, selling the product and it's it seems to be the more about selling products uh, and selling us social media, endlessly selling us social media, and that that dreadful cliche. You know, I talked to him earlier today, and he told me, you know, it just it's it's just so unbelievable. It people can't take it, and it's it it does it does lose something. That there's something a little bit gone. And right now, when you you know watching Raw, you're watching SmackDown, but particularly watching Raw is. You need something to sell that product to make you a bit more interested because what's going on in the ring, it really isn't all that interesting. And I, I must admit, I'm, I'm finding it more and more difficult to actually sit down and watch Raw in full. I really am. I don't know about yourself more. It's a chore <laughs> getting through three hours, isn't it? Um, no, we should be sitting down to watch these TV shows to be entertained and, you know, have a bit of escapism for those three hours or two hours if you remove the adverts. Um, but increasingly what I find is um, making more frequent use of the fast forward button, being more selective about what I watch and what I choose to skip through. And, um, you know, that's not how it should be. I mean, you should be able to sit in front of these shows and um, not feel the need to do that. But um, there's just so much filler, especially with raw because, you know, to go back down to two hours would cost them tens of millions of dollars, which they're not prepared to do. Um, but that's clearly at the detriment of the product because, and that's something we've talked about on a number of occasions that whilst the show's three hours, you know, they're trying to pad these shows out and matches that should perhaps be 10 minutes stretched out to 15 minutes when they shouldn't be. And interview segments go on a bit too long. And, um, you know, they're just, too much stuff on these shows and uh no, the, everything is just trampling over each other whereas if you've got two hours and you've got the chance to perhaps have three key segments on that show with the rest kind of making up the show you know you can go away from that show think okay i saw these three things which were memorable whether it's a title change a heel turn face turn some kind of key storyline advancement and then more importantly to kind of hook you for the following week whereas if you've got a three-hour show and you're throwing 20 different things at the audience for that audience to keep up with everything for those 20 different things and then remember it for the following week um you know you've got to be a very very devoted fan and you know there's even in the attitude era there were a lot of people that watched raw and also nitro on a casual basis and wanted to dip in and out of them and when wcw nitro went to three hours is when that show's rating started to decline massively and um, you know, Raw had a more tighter and more easier to follow product over two hours. And um, you know, that, that's um, certainly why uh, we've seen a narrowing of the gap between the Monday Raw shows and the Tuesday Smackdowns. You know, the ratings gap is decreasing. And in fact, um, just the other week, um, Smackdown outdrew Raw. And it's not a surprise because SmackDown, despite having a thinner roster, um, are putting on a tighter, more consistent show. 
and that's why the ratings gap is decreasing. Um, and the WWE, um, you know, won't do anything about it because, you know, money, money talks. And um, you know, if they stand to lose tens of millions by dropping an hour of Raw, then that's something they're not prepared to do. So, and uh, you know, whilst that's a situation, you know, Raw, Raw will continue to be this show that's got maybe a, a couple of good moments, good segments, and the rest is filler. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like, it's it's becoming a chore to watch. I, I mean, it, to be honest, the three hours, the three hour format has been a bit of a chore for quite a while. But it, in recent weeks, it's really becoming <laughs> more and more of a chore. It's almost becoming a, a chore just to fast forward through it. But the impression I get, and this is what worries me with it, is that I almost get the impression that it's becoming a chore for the writers. You know, that the, the quality of the product that's out there uh, the storylines and and particularly the you know the endless backstage segment uh, segments you know we we keep getting these promo segments with Stephanie and uh, with Mick Foley and then we're getting them backstage and these badly acted backstage segments and it's just it really seems to drag I mean like really really drag now if the ratings keep going down to a point is there a cutoff point where what they lose from the ratings being so low um, it kind of balances out, you know, is is maybe a balance against that third hour, if you know what I mean. If if the the revenue that they would lose cutting the third hour, is there a point where that that would be balanced out by increased ratings? Is that possible? It, it entirely is. That's right. I mean, when they signed their latest TV deal, I think it was about two two and a half years ago. And I think it was for three to four years with the USA Network and partners. At that time, Raw was doing ratings of around three, slightly over three. In recent times, that's gone down to two, 2.2, 2.3, sometimes less than that. And that's a 50% drop in rating, in viewership in that time. That's a significant number. Um, and... You know, this is at a time when the WWE is hoping to get a big increase in their um, rights fees for their TV deal for Raw and SmackDown. Whilst their ratings have dropped by that extent, I really find it difficult to see how they can, never mind get a better deal, but even match the deal that they've currently got. And that's when they'll really have to think hard about you know, what they are trying to achieve with um, five hours of primetime TV and whether, um, most importantly, it's really worth it because um, given the ratings decrease over that time, I would argue it isn't. I mean, sure, they're making those tens of millions. You know, that that's um, something that's very important to their bottom line. But, you know, it's certainly an argument that can be made that if Raw had stayed at two hours, then uh, that show might have been drawing continuing to draw threes and if it was drawing three in this day and age then they might have been able to score you know a significantly better um, deal when they next renew their um rights for raw and smackdown and on top of that you know it might have helped boost their um network subscriptions as well um so th- these are the types of things that i would hope that they are discussing um but their hand might be forced um when the rights need to be renewed again because um if the ratings 
continue to go in a downward trajectory, then you know that that's just going to be very bad news for um, the amount of money that they can get out of TV companies. Do, do you think there's a potential there for them to, if if things do go continue to go south, even maybe to kind of rethink the format as to well, we continue to do three hours, but perhaps packaged maybe the first hour as as the cruiserweight. You know what is now two or five live. Does that, you know, become the first hour of Raw potentially? Is that almost like a way around it? It might, might, might well be. That's right. Um, you know, they might decide, okay, um, let's present something completely different. Uh, I mean, that, that's something that, in fact, they can get away with on SmackDown because what they do with Tuesday nights is that they'll tape SmackDown live, and um, straight after that, that's followed by the. Um, cruiserweight show 205 live which is live on the wwe network so they've got two shows record recording live back to back um but on different um, networks one on the wwe network one on the usa network so there's no reason why they can't do that on a monday but that, that that's something that at this moment in time is not a concern for them whilst their tv money is what it is but um if the ratings continue to go down then almost surely it will become an issue to maintain their current levels of um, TV rights fees, almost surely. So um, at that point, and only at that point, I think, is when they'll seriously consider whether it's really sensible to be putting out three hours of TV on a Monday night. And they might might look to perhaps uh, mix it up by having one of those three hours as a technically separate show. But um, the audience out there will only in most cases want to watch a certain amount of wrestling on any given night or in a week. And, um, you know, even if you brand each of the three hours as a different show that might not necessarily increase viewership. So, um, that, that's something that they'll, I think have to certainly consider when the negotiations have to start for the next TV deal. Mo, I've got a bit of a tenuous question here and it's kind of relating, uh, ratings related. Now, I've got a bit of a fear here, a fear here that WWE may look at the ratings and kind of look at Kevin Owens and say, you know what, the ratings are down to you being champion. You're not a popular enough champion. You can't carry the company, so we're going to take the belt off you. And you can have the US title and therefore... <laughs> That's where we get the uh, the Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho feud. Instead of it being over the uh, Universal Championship, it's over the US title. That is a bit of a fear I've got at the moment. Um, do you share my concerns or can you uh, reassure me that I'm worrying about nothing here? Well, unfortunately, I don't think you are worrying over nothing. I think that's a very real possibility. So for those listeners that are not aware, on this past week's Raw, there was a main event for the show with uh, Chris Jericho against Roman Reigns for the US Championship. And um, with a little bit of um, influence from Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho beat Roman Reigns for the US Championship. The immediate reaction to that from many was that um, that's setting Kevin Owens up to drop the title um, at the Rumble and then to go into a feud with Chris Jericho a lot of the talk is that that will climax in a match at WrestleMania. 
And you know, this is something that has been teased going back several months now about Owens and Jericho inevitably splitting up and having a big match. And you know, the, the other talk is also that um, you know, Jericho is going to be doing a lot of touring with Fozzie this year. And so as a result, the expectation is he'll be disappearing around WrestleMania time. So, yes, in answer to your question, Andy, I think there's a very real possibility that the WWE plans to um, relinquish Kevin Owens of the title, whether it's at the Rumble or whether it's at the uh, Raw pay-per-view in February. But there's a very real chance that um, he will be losing the title before WrestleMania. Now, I mean, is it his fault about the ratings? Absolutely not. I mean, if you look at the ratings that Roman Reigns was doing when he was champion, or even when Seth Rollins was champion, they really weren't much different to um, what they are now. In fact, um, I think the ratings for Raw, given they've been up against um, the NFL, haven't been quite as bad as I fear they might drop to. If if you asked me this around September time at the start of the NFL season, I had fears that the Raw rating would drop to around 1.8 to 1.9 and that's not happened Um, they've stayed above two and um, they've been fairly uh, consistent Um, so you know Kevin Owens has been a good champion certainly been entertaining on the mic has taken part in some great matches but he's he's not a chosen one is he he's not Vince's David Moyes and uh, we all know who is and I think it's inevitable that that title will once again end up round Roman Reigns' waist. Largely depends on what plans they've got for WrestleMania as well um, and who they want to win in, in the Royal Rumble. You've got to think that um, Vince, if no one else, certainly wishes to see Roman Reigns in a high-profile match because if Roman doesn't win, then you know we could easily have a situation whereby you know he's just relegated to a meaningless mid-card match. And, um, you know, Roman certainly seems to be a, a Vince project and um, I just don't think he wants to give up on him, despite all the evidence to suggest that the fans don't want to get behind him, don't want to root for him as a baby face in the way he's presented. That's, that's a big thing. Sorry, Maud, that's a big thing, really, isn't it? I think more and more fans now are recognising the fact that, look, this guy is talented. Yeah, he looks great and everything like that, but he is talented. He can go in the ring. You know, he's had some really good matches over the over the past year. Yeah, he had some of the best matches of his career with AJ Styles. He was, you know, he you know he certainly held up his end of the bargain. It's it's about that presentation. That is the key thing, and it's you know as a babyface, the fans are just resounding, and they are they're not giving up on this. I think Vince thought perhaps he or perhaps he thought that uh, people would give in and they would come round to his way of thinking, almost like John Cena. It seems that more and more people are beginning to get behind John Cena now. They've almost given up that John Cena may turn healers <laughs> eventually at some point. Uh, and then it's turning into a kind of respect now of what he, the body of work that he's given. But I think the difference is Roman Reigns is so early into this career that he doesn't have, you know, 10 years to to go to continue going through this that I think that change has got to come and and when it does come I think that will probably move him on to that next level and then it will be it would seem authentic him having the belt it I think it that that really would seem authentic and this is the thing isn't it it's with Roman Reigns 
it's not a question of his talent, it's a question of the presentation. Well, that's right, yes. I mean, it's an interesting one, though, because if you look at Seth Rollins, I mean, when he was a heel, um, there were a lot of people clamouring for him to turn face, feeling that, you know, if he was such a great heel that fans were okay. As in when the WWE turns him, you know, he'll just become the biggest face in the company. And um, when he came back after his injury, um, fans were expecting him to return as a face. That wasn't the case. He continued to work as a heel for several more months before Triple H turned on him, which led to Kevin Owens becoming cha- Universal Champion. After that, Seth Rollins finally turned face. And a lot of people thought, OK, this might be just the angle to get Seth Rollins to become this huge baby face. And it hasn't panned out. It just hasn't worked. A lot of people have been very disappointed in Seth Rollins as a, as a, a baby face. Um, it, it's um, something that he struggled with in terms of promos, coming across as an authentic baby face. And even in his matches as well, which I've been surprised by, he's just not been delivering in the way that he certainly was prior to his bad knee injury. Um, so I think at the back of Vince's mind might be that, OK, well, that didn't work. What's to say that if I turn Roman in the opposite direction um, to Seth and I from face to heel, that that's going to work and that the fans will, you know, respond in the way that we'd like. Um, they might still continue to boo him. Um, in which case, why not just leave him as a face and he can still be popular amongst kids and the women who are the two demographics that most closely um, root for Roman and buy his merchandise in large numbers. You know, that, that's, that's been a strategy that, despite problems over the years, has, has worked very successfully for John Cena in a way. In that, um, you know, he's been built out of buildings for years on year, year upon year. Uh, but despite that, he's been a huge merchandise seller. And to his fans, you know, he's, he's um, an absolute monumental star. And those that want to boo him, they will continue to boo him. And um, you know, that, that's, I think, part of the reason why. WWE ultimately has not turned Reigns here. You know, it's um, it's one I can understand from the WWE side, but um, you know, beyond the kind of presentational side of things, I, I, I just think that uh, the kind of John Cena and Seth Rollins examples um, make them wary about turning him, and I think that they feel comfortable in leaving him as he is, despite the kind of poor reactions, especially in those towns and cities where. They know they've got um, very rabid fan bases that will boom out of the building like um, a New York or a Philadelphia. Well, I tell you what I was quite interested, actually, with him this past week. I must admit, it was that, that reaction, that atmosphere when he got in the ring with Goldberg. Do you think there's, there's a slight tease here then that potentially the WWE might even think about rather than going for Goldberg and Brock Lesnar in a one-on-one match at Mania, could that end up being a triple threat match, maybe for a Universal ta- a Championship at WrestleMania? Um, well, it certainly could. You know, that, that's something that we've seen from them before, giving us triple threat matches um, with, who was it now? Daniel Bryan, Triple H. Uh, and uh, Dan- Daniel Bryan, Batista and Randy Orton. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. that was it. Yeah. And then there was, uh, years ago, there was also... Triple H was in there with Chris Benoit and and I 
seem to forget now whether it was Batista. I think it was Batista as well. So yeah, that's that they have done it before. Just I wonder, you know, as much as anything is that all those concerns that people had before that Brock Lesnar Goldberg match that you know famously ended within two minutes. They're worried about the distance that it could go and how you know what kind of a match they could put on and would it get booed out the building? Does adding that element of of Roman Reigns, you know, the the younger guy, the third person in there, does does that give it the option and, and the ability to to stretch things out a bit more and, and maybe get a fifteen minute match out of them? Yeah, I think it possibly could. I mean, part of me also thinks that maybe the plan is to have um, Roman Reigns win the title at the Rumble and then possibly go on to um, Fast Lane in March and um, see Goldberg challenge for the title um, at that pay-per-view in a singles match and um, possibly, possibly see some interference from Brock leading to either a triple threat at WrestleMania or Goldberg against Lesnar for the title with Lesnar then winning the title from Goldberg at the biggest show of the year. Um, so there's a variety of possibilities um, but um, given the kind of tease with Goldberg and Roman a couple of weeks back on Raw, I don't think that was um, done by accident. I think there was um, certainly some meaning to that and um, I'm sure it will lead to something um, between and up to WrestleMania involving Roman Goldberg and possibly Brock Strowman. No, I, th- I think that's also a good shout that um, you know, we- we've seen that um, in the big matches, Roman's actually a very, very good performer these days. The way to stretch out that kind of match involving Brock and Goldberg to go to 15, maybe even 20 minutes is to have Brock going out there and delivering 20 suplexes to Roman. So um, why not? Yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, before we, we get finished up for, for this evening, we're just a little sort of glance ahead to the to the Rumble. I know it's still a few weeks away, but, um, you know, early indications, it, it would almost seem to me as though the Rumble was exclusively a raw pay-per-view because it's it seems to be barely sort of talked about on SmackDown, you know, the actual Royal Rumble match where it's been a big focus of raw so far, you know, the past few weeks, you know, the, the, they've, uh, to the credit, in a way, you know they they're really showcasing that Royal Rumble match on there, aren't they? I mean, what what are your feelings, your early indications of of the Raw of the uh, Royal Rumble coming up? Then, do you, are you looking forward to it? Do you think it could be a good show? Yes, I'm very much looking forward to it, and the reason why is that this is taking place at Alamo Dome in I think it's San Antonio in Texas, and they'll have sixty thousand in the venue, and I think for that alone. They're really keen to make it a big show and a very memorable one. Certainly one of the most memorable Royal Rumbles um, in the history of the show. And um, I think the Royal Rumble match in itself, um, just because of the big, big names that they've announced for that uh, match, albeit most of the names announced so far for it are arguably part-timers who, after Rumble, most of them will disappear until um, you know maybe a few weeks before WrestleMania. You know, it shows that they're trying to throw everything at it. And, you know, there's also the possibility that there might be one or two surprises. In fact, the probability that it will be one or two surprise entrants, including big names from the past. Um, so, you know, it'll be good to see. And, you know, then we've got the kind of unknown that is Braun Strowman. Um, you know, he's 
developing a bit of a cult following and I think that he'll get a good reaction from the crowd in attendance at the Alamo Dome. You know, this might be the match that the WWE uses to um, really turn him into um, that next level of monster. When WWE normally does that, it's to set an opponent up for um, somebody like uh, an Undertaker um, at WrestleMania. So, I mean, you know, we could even go in that direction where uh, whilst he might not win it, he has um, a very memorable performance in the match and uh, Braun is then person that they'll set up for the take for taker at WrestleMania. Uh, or Shaquille but, uh, O'Neal. Sorry, maybe Shaquille O'Neal to set him up for Shaquille to beat him after he's destroyed everyone else. They well, do like right, the celebrities. Yeah. They do, yes. Um, and there was one or two hints about him having a match in the WWE as well. I think last year, I think he did one or two things with the Big Show, certainly one or two comments back and forth. Um, you know, Big Show, um, whilst not announced the matches yet, um, certainly expecting him to uh, be part of that. And, um, you know, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal might just be um, you know, a surprise entrant. There's been talk about um, Kurt Angle possibly being one of the entrants as well. You know, certainly if he came out in front of that crowd after being away for some 12 or so years, the reaction he would get from the 60,000 would just be deafening. Um, so I'd love to see that. So it's going to be a really memorable match, I think. And um, on top of that, you know, we've got Owens against Reigns and AJ against Cena announced. And I think both of those matches have got tremendous potential. Got Charlotte against Bailey too. So, um, you know, it's shaping up to be a really, really good card. And uh, you know, with the crowd, with the kind of lineup, with inevitable surprises, um, you know, I think it'll be a great way to kick off the year for the WWE. Yeah, I mean, well, speaking of the Rumble, uh, we will be doing a full preview of the Royal Rumble event beforehand, you know, in that week leading up to it. But, I mean, you've just been alluding to the more that, you know, the stars of the past, the names from the past, uh, you know, that nostalgia that... WWE does like to dip in from time to time, and I mean that. I, th- I think that the Rumble's a nice, a nice sort of format and a good way to do it. Uh, so, on that uh, message of nostalgia, uh, just as a bit of a special, next week what we are going to do is a bit of a Royal Rumble nostalgia special. So, we're going to talk about some of our favourite Royal Rumble uh, events and matches of 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 years gone by. So. Listeners, please feel free to get in contact with us. Let us know some of your favourites. Share your favourite Royal Rumble moments with us. Uh, we might well give them a mention here on the show and discuss them as well. Could because more. I've got to say, look, as an old school fan, you know, I've been watching this for the uh, old twenty five plus years. You know, I, I've enjoyed it for years. There's been so many enjoyable ones over the years, particularly in them early nineties. It was one of my favorite things to watch the Royal Rumble. So next week is, is something that I am particularly looking forward to. Indeed. Plenty to enjoy some great moments on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to um, uh, reminiscing on some of the great moments that the Royal Rumble has thrown up um, and delivered over the years. Um, So it should be a, a great pod. I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. Yeah, that should be a great one. Uh, but that, I think that that will just about do us for tonight. But before we uh, we do close out more, uh, is there anything you would like to plug and where can the listeners catch you on Twitter if they're not already following you? Um, yes, it's at Mo Chatra on Twitter, M-O-C-H-A-T-R-A, where you can um, follow me and get my views on um, 
wrestling, some mixed martial arts, and um, even the odd one or two tweet about Liverpool as well. How about you, Andy? I'm at Andy Armchair, uh, if you're interested, and uh, I may even get back to writing a little bit about pro wrestling as well. Uh, what about the um, the MMA show you were doing with Dave Hendrick? Um, yes, so we had our first um, MMA monthly pod, um, which went out there um, about three or four weeks ago. had a lot of fun with um, Dave recording that. We did mention Dejan Lovren once as well, so that was a good achievement. So that, that was a lot of fun. And we've got our second one lined up for um, the next couple of weeks as well, where we'll be talking about um, the uh, outfall, sorry, the, um, the fallout from uh, UFC 207, which uh, was headlined by Nunes and Rousey, obviously. And also talking about the two UFC shows from this month and looking forward to um, some uh, big shows coming up in the month of February. So uh, we'll have plenty to talk about, all Dave and I. And, um, Really looking forward to recording that with uh, Mr. Hendrick. And uh, how about you, Andy? I'm, I'm sure you're keeping busy as always with um, your various pods on on the uh, on the channel. Yeah, well, if you are of a Liverpool persuasion, um, the Reds review was out recently, uh, re- reviewing uh, December and some bits and pieces from 2016. I did that with Nina Kauza. I'm over on World Football Index as well. I do podcasts on there, so I'm here, around there, I'm everywhere. Uh, articles out on Anfield Index and EPL Index, uh, and like I say, I, I will get back to writing again about pro wrestling. The the one I did recently about Chris Jericho, um, I enjoyed that. Uh, it was nice to get a retweet by the man himself, uh, Y2J. So you never know. Well, I'll see if I can come up with a good subject and uh, get pen to paper again, and uh, yeah, have a bit of fun. But uh, more that's it for us uh, tonight. Thanks again for joining me. Oh, thank you as always. Another great hour of talk. Yeah, it goes by so so quickly, and it's a good good fun subject to talk about. Uh, and and like we said, next week really should be fun. Yeah, something I'm looking forward to. A bit of nostalgia. That look back at um, Roy Rumbles of the past, some of our favourite ones. And you never know, we might just get a guest in for it as well. So send us your comments, send us your thoughts, your favourite moments, your favourite Royal Rumbles. Uh, We'll get them on air. We'll talk about them as well. We'll have lots of fun. So that's it us for this week. Don't forget to join us next week for all of that. So thank you for listening here to the uh, the Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. We'll be back next week. Don't you dare miss it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.